Hey, good morning. Hey, I want to start off this morning. Um, well, I just tell you, I had a meeting with my son this week. <clears throat> it was about a three hour and 38 minute meeting. <clears throat> we were playing golf and uh, he suckered me back in. I had retired from golf. I'd given it up and now I'm sucked back in. So it's a great opportunity for us just as a father-son to hang out and I get to hang out with his, his friends and these, these young guys invite this old guy to hang out with them for like four hours. Sometimes it takes four and a half hours. And so it's been really fun. You know the cool thing too? I've been beating them. <laughs> Not this last week. I finished in the middle, but the week before. Um, but he called me out on something. We're like playing and we're hanging out. He goes, hey, dad, thanks a lot. I listened to your message last week. You know, and I always want to be scripturally sound. So I don't want to like mess up anything and give you the false interpretation or anything like that. And what I say from up here, I really do want to make sure my facts are correct. And she goes, hey, thanks, Dad. You added 10 pounds to my weight. Because <laughs> I, I described my son because it's like father like son that from a distance, we look very similar. I have to stand way f ahead of him, and he has to stand back here. And then we look about the same from, the, from a distance, from a long distance, but up close, I said he was six foot 240. He's actually 5'11", 230. So he goes, Dad, I appreciate you giving me an inch on my height, but I don't appreciate you giving me 10 pounds in my weight. So can I just give you some assurance this morning that I will not be guessing any more weight. I will not be guessing your weight this morning. Or ever. I've learned my lesson. Um, what a privilege it is to gather as a church. Um, to, to be able to gather in these unique, unique, unique times. And, um, you know, those new mandates that come down every two or three weeks um, from our governor. And, you know, can I just say, and I'm not going to try to be political here, but I really think they're trying their best. I know some of you are going to shoot me right now. Um, I think they're just trying their best in what's, what's, what's going on and the information they're receiving. Maybe they're being a little bit, on our side, a little bit too conservative with some things or too radical on some things. You know, our mandate as, as the church is to pray for them. Yeah. So I just encourage you to pray, whether you agree with them or not. Um, especially if you disagree with them, I ask that you pray. Um, and just ask God for God's heart to be in what's going on. So, you know, there's different things going on right now. They're saying that we can have a vaccinated section in church now. So for those of you that are vaccinated, you, you can set not socially distanced. You can like sit on each other's lap, apparently, in this one section. That's what they say. But here's, can I just share with you real quick that isn't there enough division? <laughs> you know, I can see it at the Mariner game. Like, yeah, if you want to go to Mariner game, sit in that section. But we're not going to do that at church. We're just going to come and, and be the church and just trust God. And we're going to trust his grace. And we're going to give grace. Because I know some of you guys are vaccinated. Great. Some, some of us are not vaccinated at this point because of life situations that we're in. And so uh, it's just what, what we're going through as the church. But we're going to come together and we're going to worship 
and give him praise uh, when we gather. And we're going to live lives, I hope, that honor him. That when people look at us, they see Jesus. And not just see, oh, that's a cool church, or that's, oh, look what they're doing. But we want them to see and experience Jesus. So we're going to be in John chapter 6 today. And we're going to be talking about bread. We're going to be talking about bread this morning. I reached out on Facebook today, or not today, this week, and we, I put, we put a post out kind of saying, hey, we have service on Sunday. Here's kind of the topic of what's going on. Here's a couple things. And I asked the question, what is your go-to dinner, in quotes, when the day gets away from you? Like if you get home late and you haven't had time to cook and you just have a, a quick like snack thing, like what is your go-to? I think we all have our go-to's. Do we have any in the house? Whatever's in the freezer at the microwave. Okay, so you just microwave whatever. It's a ham hock, so you just microwave that thing and chew away on it. Okay, that's good. Yes, Jan. Grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, a quick grilled cheese sandwich. So make, make sure you got to have bread yeah. and cheese. Okay? Okay. Eric. Or Wow. I mean, that's, but I'm saying when you got home and it's late, you don't have time to go to Four Corners Teriyaki, which is very good, by the way. Very good, by the way. My personal, when I get home late, and it's just one of those things is I just make some toast. And I put, anybody like toast? Should I say, okay, let me do it this way. Who does not like toast? We're judging you right now. <laughs> Stephen. Can everybody extend their hand towards Stephen this morning? We're going <laughs> to. No. Hey. It's a free world, and there's grace here. Um, I like just, in a quick fix, just toast with butter and peanut butter. Okay? Some of you, like, I, you, see, I just heard an ooh, so you just judge me out loud. Okay? <sighs> Ouch. Um, cause some, yeah, because some people just put toast with peanut butter. Raise your hand if that's you. Just toast with peanut butter. Okay, those are like non-committal hands, see? That's why it's not right, but, okay. So toast with just peanut butter? Yes. How about toast with butter and peanut butter? There you go. There's the people right with God right there. Okay. Okay. No. And if available, you do a little Elvis thing on it, and you slice some bananas and stick it on top, right? And that gets you, yeah, a few of you are judging me right now big time. Bread is a staple. It's an essential part of what we eat. In fact, if you look at culture, bread is in pretty much every culture in the world. And it's what sustains many people. I mean, we are spoiled here, so we can go to our refrigerator. We can get in our car and drive to Four Corners Teriyaki. Or the taco truck down on... Oh, yeah. yeah, that's my favorite. Um, because we can do that. But there's some places that can't, so all they can have is like bread and water. And so it's interesting that when Jesus speaks and teaches, he takes modern-day things and he attaches spiritual truth. And as, as we open up John 6, now, I've never heard a pastor speak on all of John chapter 6 because there's three huge stories in John 6. Jesus feeds 5,000 plus people. And then Jesus declares after that that 
I am, it's the first declaration that Jesus makes out in John. He makes seven declarations. And this is the first. I am, meaning I am God, but then he says, I am the bread of life. He just fed them bread. Miraculous bread. They know the history of bread, manna from heaven. And Jesus makes this declaration, I am the bread of life. Oh, and in between those two major stories, he walks on water. No pastor I've ever heard, because they're all, no one's ever done that because they're wise and smart. <laughs> We're going to try to get to it all today. Wow. Briefly. And so here's the homework assignment for you as a church. Oh, you came to church and you got homework? Yes. Because as believers, we should be reading our Bibles. We should be like digging in. God, what do, you, what do you have to say to me? And if you don't know where to read in your Bible, because sometimes that's hard, right? I think all of us have that. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to read. Hey, read the book of John right now. Just start at the beginning and start going. And finish and then start at the, at the beginning. Because he'll always speak through his word. You don't have to just read it once and then put it on a shelf. You just continue to read it because he will speak and speak. I mean, I saw things this week, even this morning, that I've never seen before. And I've been reading this book for a few years. You know, I really try to live my life like Jesus lived his life. Honoring his father in heaven and doing what Jesus did. And I even wear a bracelet that I spoke on a couple years ago. What would Jesus do? And I, I went through like three or four of them, so I sewed this one on. It's actually sewn on, and it has not fallen off, and I still wear it. Because it reminds me when I look at it, Jesus, what would you do in this circumstance? And so when Jesus spoke and was speaking on bread or knew that he was going to be speaking on bread, he did what? He gave out bread. He provided bread. So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to provide bread, and I need a couple of volunteers. Jason Miles, thank you for raising your hand this morning. Okay, thank you. And since you're standing right by the, well, you know what, Ben? Ben just had the morning off. Hey, everybody say hi to Ben. So Ben, I'm going to put you to work. Right outside that door, there's a box. And Jason, right outside the door, just grab one box. Okay. And I'm going to have, Jason, have you throw me one, one of those things that are in the box. And we're going to hand out bread this morning. Okay. Ben, you got both boxes. That's fine. You just need one. Just throw me one, Jace. Oh, oh, that was a perfect spiral. Wow. Hey, so we're not just handing out bread today. We're handing out kosher bakery bread. Aren't these the cutest things in the world right here? Okay. So this is actually from Bakhtiar and Irina's bakery down in Fife. And I told them that I wanted to do this. I had this idea. And they never made these small little loaves before. Now you will. You sell thousands of them now, right? Um, and so they did this for us. So thank you guys for doing this. And I sliced mine this way so I could get bigger pieces of toast. And we had it yesterday for breakfast, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. So we have a lot of bread. So if you want one, take one. If you want two, please take two. If you're at home watching and you want one, we'll save a few and you can swing by or I can drop one off to you. So just let me know. We'd love to provide some bread for you. Great bread. Okay, everybody have one? Okay. Oh, Ben's right here. He's coming. There we go. 
There we go. It's fantastic. Really good. Really good. So thanks again, Islamah family, for making this bread. Um, hey, I just want to say, everybody have one now, right? Oh, in the sound booth. We'll, we'll get the sound booth. Thank you. Um, hey, can I just say that this is fantastic bread? But as good as this bread is, it will not give you eternal life. And that's Jesus' point in John chapter 6. Hey, I'm going to provide bread for you. But you're going to need bread again tomorrow. That's why they follow him across the lake. And we're going to, we're going to get into it. So again, John chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read the very first part. Jesus feeds 5,000 plus. Because they just counted men in this, in this case. Verse 1, John chapter 6, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, which is actually a huge lake. Look at Israel's map. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs that he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near that means Jerusalem was packed, and there was a lot of people heading towards Jerusalem, so the crowds were even bigger because of Passover. And when Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Hey, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that awesome that Jesus already has in mind what he's going to do? And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for just each one of them to have a bite. But another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And, he, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So, you know, you're thinking about 8,000 to 12,000 people here with kids and everybody else. And Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather all the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over. Let's just stop there. So the crowds are following Jesus because they see him doing uh, miracles, signs and wonders. I mean, he's healing the sick. He's turning water into wine. Not, now, not everybody's in those moments, but I can guarantee you, even though there wasn't social media back then, there was people talking. People were talking like, we think this is the guy. This could be the Messiah who's come. And yes, some still have these questions, and we'll get into that a little bit. And so he sees the crowd. He, Jesus sees the crowd and knows their motive, and yet he still chooses to meet their need because they're hungry. And so he has them sit down, and he tests Philip like, Hey, how are we going to feed these? How are we going to feed all these people? 
And Philip just like, that costs way too much money. It's impossible. What Philip was saying, Jesus, is impossible. Especially what time it is, the teriyaki place is closed. We can't get there. Okay? So now what are we going to do? And then Andrew, for some reason, I had always read that story. It was Peter who found the little guy with the five loaves and two fish. But it was actually Peter's brother, Andrew. And I don't know if Andrew is like being sarcastic or if this guy is just like full of hope or he's like, well, I, we have something, but I don't think it's going to work. Have you ever done that? Like you're in a situation and you see a possible solution, maybe, I mean, but not even, but it's not even close, right? I mean, you're talking thousands of people and a few pieces of bread and a couple of fish. But Andrew said, so I don't know what Andrew was thinking. Maybe he was saying it with a little hope, like, hey, Jesus, I saw what you did with water. Those jars were empty, and you said, just fill them with the water, and then you turn it into wine. So maybe, maybe you can do something with this. And then Jesus said, just have everybody sit down. And he grabs the bread. I mean, there was, there was, there was five pieces. And he gives thanks. And what happens? It multiplies. And man, as I read this, I was just thinking, man, God multiplies the little things when we give him thanks. Man, maybe for some of us, we don't have a lot to offer. We don't think here and here that we have a lot to offer. It's little. It's like it won't even do anything. Like, Jesus, I want to make a difference in your kingdom. Have you, don't raise your hand. But have you ever said that? Like, Jesus, I want to make a difference in your kingdom. But then you turn around and you disqualify yourself. But I'm little. I can't. I don't have anything to offer. And all they had was this. This is great. <laughs> all they had then was, yeah, that's all they had. This little boy's lunch. I just want to encourage you that Jesus multiplies our little and makes it much. And when is the last time you and I have thanked God for the little? Man, I was really convicted of that this week. Man, when have I, when's the last time I thanked him for the little? I always thank him for the, the great stuff, but I haven't thanked him lately for the little stuff. And so we're going to stop just for a moment, just for a moment this morning. And I want you to think about the little things in your life. I want you to think about the impossible things in your life. And I want you to thank him for those little things. Maybe you have situations in your life that are gigantic and huge, like thousands of people. And all you have is a few loaves and a couple of dried fish. You know what? Jesus will take it. He'll take what you have to offer. If you offer it from a heart that says, God, this is all I have. But I want you to have it. So can you just take a moment and give him thanks for the little things? Mm, thank you, Jesus, for our... 
the little things in our life, God. And Lord, out of our weakness this morning, we give you thanks. And in the midst of our storms that we're going to read about here, God, we give you thanks. Remind us, God, this week of the little things. Remind us to offer you everything. And we pray, God, that you will multiply it in Jesus' name, that you will multiply it. And the church said, amen. Amen. Well, Jesus does this amazing miracle, and the crowds love it, obviously. They love it. They Word is spreading through the crowd, thousands of people. And in verse 14, it says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And then verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come to make him king by force, withdrew. And he went up to the mountainside to spend time with God. Isn't that interesting? Oh, Jesus, you are the prophet. You're going to provide all our needs. We want to hang with you. If you're going to feed us this bread every day, we want to hang with you. This is the best bread I've ever eaten in my life, is what you're going to say after you eat the loaves that you have with you. And Jesus pulls away from that. I mean, how many of us would pull away from that? In our day, now, we want more likes. We want more followers. But Jesus pulls away. It's not my time. That's not why I'm here. I will rule and reign like that in a while. But right now, my responsibility is to come and sacrifice myself. So I need to pull away. And so he sends his disciples. If you read the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's a four-chair turn. If you know what I mean. Some of you know what I mean. I'm looking right at one of, one of the people that know what I mean. It's the voice. The show the voice. Okay? The, this miracle is recorded in every gospel. And so it's interesting to read because everyone has a little bit of different perspective. Because sometimes you pick up on different details. And the Holy Spirit, through those writers, did that. And so Jesus sends his disciples like, okay, I want you to go ahead of me. Hey, hop in the boat, meet me over there on the other side of the lake. I'll catch up with you. And so they're awesome disciples. They they do what Jesus says, and they get in the boat, and they go. While Jesus goes up and spends time with his father. And that's where we pick up in verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, and they got into the boat and set across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him in to the boat. And immediately the boat reached the other shore where they were heading. Okay, let's stop there. I'm realizing there is no way we're going to get through John chapter 6 today. (laughs) So you have homework. You have to finish reading it. So these guys take a night cruise. For some reason, they go at night. 
and they're out in the storm. Remember, most of these guys, part of these guys, at least half these guys, they're fishermen. They're, they're experienced guys on the water. They know what to do, but this is, it's storm. This is storm time. And storms can whip up on the Sea of Galilee just like that. Just the way the hills and the landscape is. Um, and the winds can come up over and just go. And you can go from flat, calm water to five and six footers in just a matter of like a half an hour or so. So that's what they're stuck in. They are terrified. And then they're even more terrified when they look out and see somebody walking on water. They think it's a spirit. They think it's a ghost. Until Jesus speaks to them and then he says, hey, don't be afraid. Some versions of the Bible say, be of good cheer. How can I be of good cheer when the waves are coming over and the boat's sinking, right? Because some of the other stories say, hey, they had taken on a lot of water. They thought they were going down. And what's interesting here is it says that then they were willing to take him into the boat. And I, can, and I just shared that a little bit during worship. I gave you a little taste of the message during worship this morning. Because I thought that was super interesting. They were willing, like, okay, Jesus, it is you. Please come into our boat. We're willing for you to get in our boat. I wonder if they're all willing. But it's important for us to, in the middle of our storms, in the middle of what we're going through, that our eyes are not just fixed on what we naturally see. That our eyes are fixed on the supernatural of what God is doing. And we look past our circumstances and look to him. So huge. And then invite him in. Invite him into your boat. Invite him to join you. And it says when he did that here, they immediately got to their destination. I hope that's true with all of us when we invite him into our boat. But sometimes we still have to stay in the boat for a little bit longer. That's up to him. I mean, they were getting pounded and pounded. And then they look up and they see Jesus. Maybe some of you guys feel like you're being really pounded right now. <laughs> I just want to invite you to look up and see Jesus. Because if you read again of the other Gospels, it says that when Jesus was spending time with his father, when Jesus was with his father, he knew exactly where his disciples were. And he got up and he went to them. He knew they were in trouble. And so he got up and he went to them. So Jesus knows exactly where we're at. He's with us. So I encourage you to invite him into the boat. The next morning, the crowds wake up. They all stuck around. They're looking for Jesus, and they realized, oh, the boat is gone. Word had spread somehow that so other boats from the other side had come over to check Jesus out. Well, Jesus had walked on water, met his disciples. They are on the other side now. So they all get in their boats or walk around, and they eventually find him. They eventually, like, pick it up. And so in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi... When did you get here? And I love how when you ask Jesus a question, a lot of times he doesn't even answer the question you asked. He answers the question that you really want to know. 
Have you ever asked somebody a question? You really, it's not the question you want to ask. Well, that's what was happening here. So this is what Jesus says, verse 26. Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What a great question. Now they ask a good question. Verse 28, then they asked, this is a crowd or representatives in the crowd, right? What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus' response, verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Okay, so he sets them up. So they're asking, hey, what, so what they're asking here is, hey, what must we do to be saved? I mean, to have eternal life, to, to really follow you, to do what you ask us to do. What are the things? Give us the list. Because if I have a list, I can check mark my list. And I can stick with that list, and I can do it. What's the problem with that? I can do it. None of us can do it. That's why the Ten Commandments were given. Not as like, hey, here's your list. It was given to say, here's what God requires. You can't do it. You need grace. You need a Savior. You need someone who will do it for you. And that's what Jesus responds here. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Oh, it can't be that easy. So what you're saying is, we just need to believe in you, Jesus. It's a lot harder than it sounds, right? It kind of sounds easy at first. But I think many of us rather have a list. God, just tell me what to do. Why don't you just tell me what to do, right? It's our natural tendency to want to work for things and to want to earn it. Because that, that way then it's ours. And there's part of that is like, hey, when you're saving up for your like first car and you've mowed yards or flipped enough burgers or whatever, and you bought your first car with your own money, that's kind of cool, right? So, like, working for things is kind of a natural thing for us, but not for eternity. We can't work for it. You cannot earn eternity. Jesus paid the price for you, and it has to be through him. And the rest of John chapter 6 that you're going to read on your own is Jesus getting in their face and saying, okay, so you really want to know? You really want to know what it means to follow me and who I am? I am the bread of life. What you just ate yesterday is nothing. If you want to sustain life, you have to go through me. It's radical if you read John chapter 6. I mean, he goes, Jesus gets in their face. And they don't like it. In fact, it says many, towards the end, it says many at this point of his disciples, not the twelve, but Jesus had a lot of disciples. He chose the 12 apostles. 
We call them disciples early on. But Jesus had a lot, a lot of people were following Jesus. And when he says, the cost of following me is believing in me. Ooh. I'd rather just believe in what I believe. And Jesus, can I just add you? Can I just add you to what I believe? Can I just I take you in? Like, I want to follow my own list and stuff, but I also want you because you make good bread. You heal people. It feels good to be around you. Man, when you speak, Jesus, it's like nobody, like, nobody speaks like you. Nobody opens up the book and shares. And when, they, when you read the scriptures, when it's your turn in the synagogue to read the scriptures and you do it, whew, nobody does it like you. But can I have all my other stuff too? I just want my other list. Right? I want this list, but can I just add you to my list, Jesus? And John 6 says, Jesus says, no, I am the bread of life. If you want to have life, it has to be through me. And then they turn around and say, well, isn't that just Joseph and Mary's son? I mean, they just said a little while ago, we think this is the prophet because he fed them all this great food, right? And then when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, they start grumbling. And they're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus just said that he came down from heaven. Well, our forefathers had bread from heaven called manna that God provided in the Old Testament. Now Jesus is saying that he's come from heaven and he is the bread of life. He's the one that we're supposed to eat from. He's who provides it for us. And that's when they begin to grumble and they say, I think this is just, I remember now, isn't that just Joseph and Mary's boy? And they say, this is just too hard. We want to keep our lists. We don't want to follow you. We just can't. And it says many, many desert him at this point. When I read the part, if you read the end of John 6, I mean, Jesus gets really graphic. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, he goes all walking dead and twilight on him. It's like one combined show. And they're like, are we really supposed? They just don't get it, right? And what Jesus is saying is, if you want eternal life, it, it's through me. You have to fully take me in. You have to fully believe. That's what he said. The works of God, if you want to know what the work of God is, then you have to believe. It means you need to have faith. Ooh, faith. Don't throw faith into it. Not faith aspect if you're watching from home. But faith, like belief. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's faith. None of us in here have seen God. But we have faith. And it's our hope that we have eternal life because Jesus says it. And then to have certainty, to have assurance of what, what we hope for will come true. That's faith. And then in the midst of storms, 
to have faith. It's hard to have faith when the boat is filling up with water. It's hard to have faith when it's dark and you can't see anything. They didn't have lights. They didn't just whip out their flashlight. Maybe they had a lantern, maybe, but it probably got put out by all the water. So can you imagine being out in the sea at night in the dark and all you feel is water hitting and the wind? That's all you hear. It's, it had to be brutal. And Jesus said, I'm here. I see where you're at. And if you really want life, it's going to be found in me. I am the bread of life. I'm essential in life in order for you to live. Just like bread for us today is like you can survive for days and days and days and live on bread and water. Your doctor might not like it, but you can. So spiritually, what are we living on? Jesus says that spiritual life comes through him. Not our list and him. Our list has to do this, right? And it has to be all him. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 6. And they acknowledge, man, this is a hard teaching. Hey, in our culture today, this is a hard teaching. Because I can turn on all the talk shows. I can, I can watch. And there's all kinds of different ways for spirituality. Because God loves everyone. That's true, right? God does love us. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus, the bread of life. And when Jesus makes the declarations that, Hey, if you want to know God, you have to come through me. That's a hard teaching today. Because we just want to add Jesus to our list. And Jesus said, there is no list. I am. Jesus says, I am. Everything else happens through him. And so Jesus turns to his disciples, the twelve, after all these people have left him, and he says, are you going to leave me too? It's a profound moment because you can imagine, you can imagine how those guys felt being like the inner circle of Jesus, the 12, and there are thousands of people. You're almost like a rock star. You're in the band with Jesus. It has to, had to been a great hype. It had to be, feel really good. But then when they all get mad and leave, and you're just looking around like, mm, should I go too? And so Jesus asked that question, are you going to leave me too? And Peter's response, <laughs> verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Good old Peter gets one right here. Let's give him props because usually we talk bad about Peter. Man, Jesus, where else would we go? They had left everything for him. And they'd realize that you are the one. And if everybody else leaves, well, we're still going to stick around. And can I just say that in our world right now, 
as crazy as it is, and we see people leaving the faith right now by thousands. And I just hear Jesus saying, where are you going? Are you going to go too? And so I think sometimes we have to, we have to drive. Dana Buck used to say at times, there's times in our life where we need to drive a, a mile marker into the ground. And so when we're on this journey and we maybe circle back around that mile marker, just like the children of Israel would make these altars and piles of rocks. And when they circled through, they'd remember, oh yeah, remember last year when God provided water out of that rock and we built this altar it's just a remembrance time. And so maybe some of us need to drive a stake into the ground today, a mile marker, and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow Jesus. Even if nobody else, you guys realize that we have to make that decision. Even if nobody else follows him, will you follow him? Will I follow him? Even when it's not the popular thing to do. I just want to end with this, that Jesus didn't come to just give us bread, but he came to be our bread. To give us everything that we need. To provide for us. And so when we seek him and we put him first, you know, he says that he'll take care of everything else. In Matthew chapter 6, hey, if you seek me and put my kingdom first, I'll take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about all those other things. And maybe some of us are just so focused on our storms and our struggles that we don't recognize Jesus in our midst. That he's working in the midst of our struggles and our storms. That he knows where we're at. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. I was reminded of that yesterday by one of my friends. That Jesus knows where you're at. And he sees your struggle. And our God is faithful in the midst of it. So challenges today. Stop nibbling and take a big bite. Some of you have been nibbling in your faith. And it's time to it's time to take a big bite. Because Jesus said. I am the bread of life. You have to fully take me in. If you fully take me in and allow me to lead you, I will lead you. Not just here, but forever. All of John chapter 6 points to eternal life. Read it this week. Read it this week. It would have taken me about eight or nine minutes just to read the whole chapter to you. So read it. And Jesus points, hey, you want eternal life? You want to spend forever with me? then you need to fully take me in. Let's pray. So God, again this morning, we give you thanks for the little things. We thank you for providing for us, God. Maybe for some of us, Jesus, that have been nibbling, Lord, that as you've opened our hearts, I thank you that your word in John 6 says, no one comes to you. Unless the Father draws them. Church, if you're here in this morning, you're watching from home, there's a reason why. Because the Father God is drawing you closer to him. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to me 
Unless he draws, unless he's drawing you, unless he's putting something in you. And so, Lord, for those of you, those who are feeling drawn towards you this morning, God, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. And God, for those who are in the midst of the storms, Jesus, I thank you that you know where we're at. I thank you that you see us and that you're moving towards us. And we might feel like we're rowing for three or four miles like the disciples, but you are coming towards us. Lord, I pray that we would see you and that we would invite you into our boat this morning. Help us to fully take you in. Jesus, help us to fully follow you. God, I pray that we'd put our list down and that we'd simply believe and that we'd have faith to follow. And we trust that you will lead us, that you're guiding us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen, church. Hey, blessings to you. There's a photo booth in the back. Go get your picture taken. I would love to see it. Okay. All right. We'll see you next Sunday.